You're listening to The Politics Classroom on UIC Radio, where music and culture ignite. This is part two of my conversation on February 4th about the Iowa caucuses. In this part of the interview, I talked to Gunhold Michelson, who is a student at the University of Illinois at Chicago, but is not an American citizen and therefore has some ideas and confusions about how America votes. So enjoy this second section of the Iowa caucuses. Welcome back to the Politics Classroom on UIC Radio, where music and culture ignite. I was right to take the time off to play a couple of songs because it looks like the Iowa Democratic Party has released some partial results from last night's caucus. Chris Mooney had to leave, but I am happily joined by Gunhild, who is a UIC Radio DJ. Yep. And she is not an American citizen, not born in the United States. And so sometimes the things that we do in this country around voting are kind of weird. And uh, you said you were having a conversation during the first hour of the Mm -hmm. show about this is actually how people vote for the president in this state, in Iowa. That was, yeah, that was kind of wild to learn. I... I guess one, nobody had ever asked me what I thought it was, so I had never looked for further information. Okay. I heard about them like every every election season. Oh, the Iowa caucus is coming up. I'm going to go caucus for Bernie and all that stuff. Yeah. Or whoever their candidate was. And so I was like, oh, okay. It's kind of like, you know, get a litmus test for what the political party, like what are they going to do for the nomination and stuff. It was never established that, that this is what they do to vote. Because to me, voting is, you know, like... You go into your little booth and right. you put an X or fill right. in the bubble, like a Scantron or whatever it is. Right. Not a go stand in a corner game. Yeah. Which I play with the kids that I've worked with, you know? Sure. Yeah. And it brings in lots of questions about like the psychology of groupthink too. So it was well, wild. And and beyond that, think about how many people don't have three hours on a Monday night. Single parents, people who work the late shift. Right. So I know they were ordering pizza and getting coffee and all that stuff. None of those people could caucus because they had to work. Yeah. And so, you know, primaries are, you know, dumb because they're on two. I mean, most American elections are stupid because they are on Tuesdays and people work. But at least you have like a 12 hour period Mm -hmm. that, you know, hopefully you're not working all 12 of those hours that you might be able to go. So. All right. Well, let me share with you the results. All right. As I know them with 62% of the precincts reporting, which means this is not the complete result. Okay. It's about less than two thirds of the result. Pete Buttigieg is in first place. Okay. With 26.9% of the vote. Okay. Followed by Bernie Sanders. With 25.1%. Followed by Elizabeth Warren, 18.3%. Joe Biden, 15.6%, more than 10 points behind the leader. And in fifth place is Amy Klobuchar, who got 12.6%. And then everybody else... Got 1.5% together. And then everybody else. Everybody else. Which, I mean, actually isn't all that many people. It's Tulsi Gabbard and Michael Bennett and... Michael Bloomberg, question mark? He may have been in there. I, I, 
because I know there's been changes like with yeah. keeping him in, but he's not caucusing. And I, the, well, the changes have been about getting him on the debate stage. Yeah, but he is not. Can he has had no ground game in Iowa. He's not contest contesting quote unquote any race until Super Tuesday, mm. which is so. There are four races. There's Iowa last night, New Hampshire next week. Nevada mm-hmm. is on a Saturday, actually. Oh. And I think they're a caucus state, too. I didn't look that up. But, yeah. So, Nevada and then South Carolina. Okay. And then after South Carolina, there's what's known as Super Tuesday when it's like, I don't know the number, 10, 12 states all vote on the same day. Mm-hmm. So, Michael Bloomberg apparently isn't contesting any of those first four races. Like, he's not on the ground campaigning. He's not... But that do, I think I don't think that means that n- you couldn't vote for him in the caucus. Interesting. Yeah, very weird. Yeah. So I know. So how closely are you paying attention to this election, given that you can't vote in it? Somewhat. It's always an interesting. I wouldn't say game, but a little bit of an interesting disconnect because because I can't vote. So it's almost like a spectator sport to okay. me because I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is. This is wild. But the the outcome will really affect It does, your and it life will, here. Yeah. yeah. Which is, again, to the other effect, but citizenship is expensive and all of that other stuff. You need to marry an American citizen and then... Yeah, and then there's the you'll issue... You'll be fine. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I know. Yeah, and then there's all the geopol- geopolitical issues with that. But more and more recently, I've been surrounding myself with a community who's more invested in it, so I kind of learned by proxy through them. Sure. So I was actually watching bits and pieces of the later stuff with the caucus, like when everybody was like giving their stump speech or whatever it was, like when the vo- when the results weren't in yet. Oh, right. So like when Amy was like, we're going to New Hampshire, we're fighting above our weight and stuff. And I yeah. was like, interesting. We also can't see your face most of the time because people the are waving are their signs. Right. <laughs> so I heard those four. I thought Bernie's was very focused on like his actual issues. Right. While some of the other ones were much more like, Trump did this and Trump did that. And I keep punching this microphone. Yeah, I know. Just everybody, everybody does. It's okay. Smack, smack, smack. Yeah. So, so a little bit. And Pete Buttigieg's speech, which, and it turns out, he at right. least right now, he's doing very well. He gave basically a victory speech. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, last night. And uh, again, according to these partial results, 26.9% of the vote. But now here's the thing. So with 26.9% of the vote, that doesn't win you anything in life except an Iowa caucus. <laughs> so he won so far. Yeah. He's winning with less than a third of the vote. Yeah. Doesn't that seem kind of, uh, that seems very weird to me. Yeah, there, There's a lot of things where you kind of look at it and you're like, how, how should, like you're saying, like less than a third of the people who are even able to vote in Iowa determine a lot of for the entirety of the people. Yeah, so that's a whole nother story, right? So American election turnout is just low. Yeah. That's just the truth. Then primary voting is even worse. Mm-hmm. So 30% of Iowa's registered voters would be a great turnout. Yeah. So you have fewer than 30% who are act and I don't know the numbers. It was like 171,000 people in mm-hmm. Iowa, and then I don't know how big Iowa is, but so 171 people, 27 percent 
of this small proportion of people like Buttigieg. And so he's going to win Iowa. Like that just seems a little crazy to me. Yeah. And I don't know if you heard any of my conversation with Professor Mooney. It matters. It matters who Mm -hmm. wins. They get more attention, more money, more supporters, more all this stuff. But it's such a small number of people Mm -hmm. who are making that decision. Yeah. I I think I was told or heard that if people do really well in the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire caucus, that they primary primary primaries (laughs) that they usually ask. Primary is your regular go into the booth and pick your person. Gotcha. Yeah. So Iowa does a caucus. New Hampshire does a primary. Right. Interesting. Well, and I one of my last questions that I asked Professor Mooney was, what about the other offices? Every single congressperson is up for election every election cycle. So all of all of the representatives in Iowa and one of Iowa's two senators is also up for re-election this year. Mm-hmm. But they didn't talk about any of that last night. And he said he thought that they were going to have a regular primary later. Huh. So if you're going to have a regular primary later, why have this whole caucus thing? It yeah. just, I think it's very bizarre. Yeah. Do you know when the Iowa caucus started? Like when they started, yeah, like when they started going to their corners? The yeah. yeah. So it started, the, the, you had to be inside the doors at 7 o'clock last night. Okay. And then everybody, representatives of each of the candidates gave their spiel about why people should group with them mm-hmm. and then they broke into groups gotcha counted everybody and then i think they had about 30 minutes to try so you had to reach this viability threshold of 15 percent mm-hmm. and if you didn't if you're if your candidate okay so let's say there's a hundred people in the room okay your candidate has to get 15 percent or 15 people in the room supporting you Mm -hmm. to go on to the next round. Okay. If you have fewer than that 15%, fewer than 15 people, you are considered not viable. And then basically, however many supporters you do have, let's say you have 10, those 10 supporters now have to decide who their second choice is. And all the campaigns of all the viable people are coming to those 10 people saying, come to us, come to us, come to us. Mm-hmm. Because the count at the end of the second round is what is used to determine how many delegates each candidate gets. Mm-hmm. So this 26.9% is the percentage of delegates that he, that Buttigieg was awarded. Okay. And then... So he gets, <laughs> so it's like, why is there so no, much no, no, math involved electing someone? Well, and so this is what I think. Okay. So, so most people expected results around 10 o'clock last night. Yeah. There were not. <laughs> and they talked about irregularities and all these problems. This year is the first year that they reported how many each candidate got in the first round, how many each candidate got in the second round, and then what the delegate split was. In all the years previous, they would just report the delegate split. Yeah. But I'm wondering if now that they had the raw numbers for the second round, if they redid the math and got a different number than the precinct captains got. So they Mm -hmm. had to go through all 1,700 precincts and recalculate the math. That'd be 
I don't know if that's true. Maybe, I keep yeah. saying I need to say that. I don't know if that's true or not, but I I think that that is a reasonable mm-hmm. thought to have. Yeah. Because there's so much math involved. Oh yeah. So once the results from the Iowa caucus are finalized, everybody is reporting. Do is there an electoral college in the primaries? Is that a thing, or is that only for? Okay. No, electoral gotcha. college is just for the national election. Okay, gotcha. And so what happens is, so the primaries are run. No, I'm sorry. Caucuses are run by the parties. Okay. Primaries are run by the state. Okay, okay so yeah. like mm-hmm. March 17th is when Illinois' primary is. So the state board of elections, you know, figured out who can be on the ballot. They're printing a ballot. They're loading up the voting machines. All the votes will go in, and then the state board of elections will say, this is how the votes shook out. Yeah. Okay? So this is like people whose job it is to run elections. They're in charge. Caucuses, not so much. These are mostly, I mean, in all of the precincts, all the precinct captains are volunteers. You Well, you couldn't because you're not a citizen. (laughs) I could be a precinct captain. I could be in charge of running this whole thing, you know, in, in the gym. We could, we could all meet in um, St. Ignatius gym and that's where our precinct meets and I could be in charge of running it. That's so bizarre. It is really bizarre. So you have all these volunteers doing this weird math and then they were supposed to use an app to report the figures but apparently the well when people tried to download the app there was a message that said this could harm your phone and so people were like i am not gonna download that so a lot of people didn't even try to download it people who did download it most of them had trouble using it now also think of this too right iowa is not a spring chicken state right (laughs) there are a lot of old people and who is going to volunteer to be in charge of a caucus it's probably going to skew older yeah and so, you know, you have a lot of grandparents who, pr- I mean, my mom can't use her phone. I, sh- I, I set up SoundCloud so that she could listen to my shows that I post after the fact. She has not once opened it because she's, just, she's scared of it. So if you have a bunch of grandmas who, you know, don't know how to use the app or whatever. So that's why the reporting went so badly last night. But the irregularities, I'm wondering if, again, if that's a function of people just did the math wrong. Yeah, because it sounds like you've got regular primaries where people who whose job it is to do this, who do this, they do it very frequently. And they use like the voting machines and all the apparatus of elections. Everything that you would use in the general election, you're doing in the primaries. Yeah. And then you got... Grandma City with an app that doesn't work and a necessary degree in mathematics to figure out how it shakes out. And Grandma's also counting each of the crowds. I mean, the count is whether or not, like, and if Grandma's short, she might not see the other short person in the crowd and miscount. Do they get, like, a little clicker, you know, something like that? I don't think so. I mean, maybe they could bring one on their own. Yeah, so, I mean, the whole process is really, in my opinion, it's really weird. And these delegate counts are who's going to go to the state convention. Now, they if, if you're a delegate for Pete Buttigieg, you have to vote for Pete Buttigieg at the state convention. Okay. 
But you have, I don't even know how many, 3,000 delegates going to the state convention. That could be a totally incorrect number. And then from those 3,000, you have to get 41 actual delegates that will count at the national convention in Milwaukee in July. There's so many, so many steps. Yes. For the caucus. For the primary, it's just like in most primary, I'm pretty sure in primary states, it's winner take all, just like a general election. Yeah, that, that was also my understanding. So I was like, so he got 25% votes and then he's going to get all the delegates. But no. Then, so he's only getting 25% of the delegates then just for easy. Numbers. I don't know. I th- you would think that he should, but I don't know if, because usually, have you ever watched a, a convention on television? I, I don't think so. No. I, I've actually uh, asked the radio station to help me get a press pass for the Democratic Ooh. National Convention since it's in Milwaukee. It's not that far away. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what they do, I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes on. But when they get to the votes, they'll stand up and they'll say, Illinois proudly gives its votes to Santa Claus. <laughs> and then Santa Claus gets however many delegates Illinois has. And I don't remember ever seeing Iowa saying 26.9% of Iowa gives its delegates to Pete Buttigieg. So I don't actually know how they allocate those 41. That's that's so it It may be whoever has the highest. I don't know. It might be winner take all. But with this weird, I don't know. Hmm. Cause that's that's something thing. to look up. Yeah, because that's another thing that, I, that I've always thought is just a smidge weird that it is that winner take all that there isn't like a proportional representation. But again, yeah. I guess it does get yeah. into ooh, like, what <laughs> weird math. From what country do you hail? I was born in uh, in Denmark in Copenhagen. So even the two party system is weird. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the party system is weird. So we I don't belong to a political party. Okay. Because I know you can't do that in Illinois. No. You can't? When you register to vote, you do not give a, you do not say what party you are. Huh. So, like, if in 2016, if, so Hillary won Illinois Mm -hmm. in the primary, well, and in the general, but she won Illinois in the primary. So, if I wanted to, I could go to the polling station on primary day and say... I would like the Republican primary ballot and vote for a Republican. Hmm. And then in 2020, I could go and say, I would like the Democratic ballot and I get to vote on the Democratic ballot. Hmm. So now that becomes public record. Which ballot I picked. Really? Yeah. Because so this is another thing like I need to talk I need to have somebody on to talk about campaigns because no do you live on campus yeah okay well they're not going to knock on your door anyway but (laughs) when 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 candidates are going to knock on doors they know who the registered voters are Mm -hmm. because you can get a list of registered voters you can also get a, a history they're not not who they voted for but that they voted Hmm. in primaries, in generals. So if someone has never voted in a primary before, but votes in every general election, Mm -hmm. you will know that looking at their name and you can say, I need to get more voters out 
to the primary. So I'm going to target this person. I'm going to go to their house and I'm going to try to convince them to vote in a primary. That's for me. Weird. Yeah. And so, you know, you knock on doors and you don't knock on the doors where you don't have registered voters unless it's a voter registration drive as well. And you're like, hey, I'd like to sign you up to vote. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. That That is very weird. Like, because it was it's always been my perception that voting's like kind of a private thing. The actual voting who you vote for is private. Mm-hmm. But that you voted not private. And so this is why I don't know if you follow some of the election kerfuffles in 2016 and 2018 in other states, but the question of purging of voter rolls. So some states, so you register to vote. Mm-hmm. And every time you move, you have to update your registration. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you can only vote where you live. Makes sense. Unless you do like an absentee ballot like yeah. for college students, right? Yeah. I want to vote in where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. So you have to update your registration every time you move. But in some states, and this is, I believe, this is a voter suppression effort that is somehow legal. If you don't vote in an election or two elections, then they can just get rid of your name. Like, this person hasn't voted, so they must not, there must be something weird about them. And they can basically end that person's registration. And if that person wants to vote, they then need to re-register. Will they be like, hey, we unregistered you, or do you just have to magically know that? Well, sometimes, in some, so this is the other weird thing about the United States, is that Every state has different policies. So it depends on the state where you live. Hmm. Sometimes they will send a notice to the address they have on file and they say you are in danger of being, you know, removed from the voter rolls. If you still live at this address, you know, send it back and you will remain on the rolls. But this is why everybody should always check their voter registration before they go to vote. And there are websites that you can put in your name and address and it will tell you if you're registered, if you're registered or not. Mm -hmm. And everybody should check that before they go to the polls, because if they are not registered in Illinois, we have same day registration, which means I show up at the poll. What? I'm not registered. Okay. Let me register. Okay. And now let me vote. Mm -hmm. But In other places, right, they let you fill out, like, and maybe here, too, they make you fill out, like, provisional ballots, and they get put, like, in in the side. And then once they can confirm that, really, you are allowed to register to vote, then they'll count your vote. Hmm. But, like, sometimes that side pile, like, we don't know what happens to it. (laughs) Yeah. So, it's, it's, yeah, and it's state by state how they deal with it. Many states do not allow same-day registration, so if you don't register by whatever a month before the election, you can't vote. Yeah. Right. Crazy. And, and again, I have, I am not a registered member of a party because Illinois doesn't ask that in Mm -hmm. some States they do. And you can only vote in the primary of the party that you 
are registered as. So like my uncle for a really long time was an independent. Mm-hmm. He registered as an independent in Pennsylvania. So he could not vote in any primary because you have to be registered Democrat to vote in a Democratic primary. You have to be a registered Republican to vote in a Republican primary in Pennsylvania and many other states. Hmm. These are called closed primaries. And so if you are registered, you know, Democratic Socialists of America, you can only vote in the primary when there are Democratic Socialists of America on the ballot and only the Democratic Socialists of America ballot in the primary. That's so specific and Which exclusionary. Is what, well, but that's why the two party system is so entrenched. That if you can only vote in a primary, if you are a member of that party, how is, you know, so I was, the, one of the questions I asked Professor Mooney was, you know, Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat, mm-hmm. but yet he's running in the Democratic primary. He will be the Democratic, no- he could be the Democratic nominee. How is this possible? Mm-hmm. He could run for the socialist party right and there and if you you know you can ask for this in in illinois you could ask for the socialist party ballot in a closed state if you're a registered socialist you could get the socialist ballot bernie could be the socialist party nominee for president and he could be on the ballot with the democratic nominee the republican nominee and him as the socialist nominee mm-hmm but that two-party system is so entrenched that the likelihood of getting money, the likelihood of getting support goes down dramatically. Mm-hmm. But you think about most European systems have 20 parties. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not winner-take-all. So if your socialist party gets 10% of the vote, you're in parliament. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It's so strange. It's a weird system. So did um, Professor Mooney, you said, mm-hmm. did he explain how it was that B- Bernie joined the, the Democratic convention? Versus, like, Yeah, so again, every, every state handles its elections differently, but I don't think there is any state that says that you have to be registered in a party to run in its election. Hmm. You... You don't have to sign the Democratic Party card to get on the ballot. You need to have valid signatures and pay the registration fee. Hmm. So Bernie Sanders could have run on the Republican ticket if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be crazy, (laughs) but he could and challenge Trump for the Republican nomination and then run against whoever the Democrats put up if he won. I didn't even realize that 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 was how that worked. Yeah. And so as long as he got enough people, whatever the threshold of signatures is in that state to support his candidacy on the Republican in the Republican primary, then. Hmm. And because we don't register, they don't have to be Republicans who sign. Yeah. So you can get all all the people who sign your thing for Bernie to run as a Republican could be Democrats. Yeah. 
And so they, <laughs> they, they have to get that number of signature, X numbers of signatures for every state to be on a ballot. Y- usually, yeah. That's so much work. But, well, but they don't go door <laughs> yeah, obviously, to door, yeah, right? But, but they have to be valid. And so in Chicago politics, challenging ballots or challenging signatures is like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if anybody's ever asked you for your signature. They have, yeah. Have you signed? No. Okay. Well, let's say you did sign. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't know you had to be like a citizen (laughs) to to sign. Well, people can look at everybody. Say, who who did you get signatures from? And so then it's like, oh, wait, Gunhild. I I, I challenge that. Check her. You know, is she a registered voter? Mm -hmm. No, she's not a registered voter. Okay, you got to strike that signature. That signature doesn't count. Hmm. Or let's say somebody came up to me and asked me to sign something for candidate X. And then two weeks later, candidate Y asked me to sign and mm-hmm. I signed Y's thing too. My signature is valid on whichever of those sheets is deposited with the board of elections first. So if Y gives his sheets to the board of the elections first, even though I signed his form second, my signature will be ba- valid for him and not candidate X. That's so strange. So you yes. can't just throw your signature out there and say, no. everybody can be on the ballot. Yeah, no, it, you can only have one valid signature. Now, per race. So you could sign somebody's ballot for president, somebody's for congressperson in your district, somebody for senator. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so you can sign for multiple op- races. Mm hmm. But only one per race. That's so stressful. Well, it's stressful for the campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get all the right people. Or you well, gotta get the people. And and so this is the thing. And, and and like I said, it differs by state. So I don't know how it works in every state. But think of some of these folks who, you know, they don't have a lot of organization. They don't have a lot of money. And you have to get X thousand number of signatures to get on the ballot. You know, that might be hard. Not everybody might be able to do that. And so that kind of w- starts the winnowing process of you have to have some minimum level of support mm-hmm. in order to, you know, get on the ballot nationally. Yeah. I didn't realize that there were so many like, barriers to entry across the board in every in every step. Beca- and, and those barriers are to the benefit of the incumbents. Mm hmm. Which is good for them, which is why they're not going to change the rules. Of course not. No, it'd be, right? it'd be easy. So I don't know. I just, th- th- again, I do not study American politics. And last night I stayed up try- waiting for the results mm-hmm. that never came. And I'm really tired today. No. But I was thinking last night, This I'm glad I do not teach American politics. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Because this is, cr- I mean, it's insane. If you're talking about parties in other parts of the world, there may be weird things, right? There could be weird things about, you know, the fact that, you know, Israel has had three elections and they can't, nobody can form a government so or they've had two and no one's been able to form a government so now they're going to have a third election right Mm -hmm. i mean like that's weird we can talk about that and why that is and yeah you know okay fine but 
California has different rules than Virginia, which are different than Florida. And, and the other thing about it, who can vote is also different. So if you are a convicted felon, you cannot vote while you are in jail. Mm-hmm. And that's nationally? I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But depending on where you live, you might be disenfranchised for life. So, for example, if you live in Florida, mm-hmm. if you have served time in jail, convicted of a felony, you, until 2018, were never allowed to vote. In Florida? In Florida. Wow. So if I'm a convicted felon living in Florida up until 2018, I lost my right to vote for life. Now, they did pass the, uh, there was a, um, a ballot referendum mm-hmm. and it passed that felons should get their voting rights back but Mm -hmm. in some places they get it back a year and a half after they've been out of prison to show like yeah that they haven't gone back into prison and or sometimes it's like immediate you can walk out the door and go to a polling place Mm -hmm. so the fact that the rules are different in every state and that if you are running a national campaign you need to make sure you have somebody on your staff who can understand all these rules in all these states. Like it's a lot. Yeah. Cause I, I know, I know that formerly a lot of formerly incarcerated people aren't given the right to vote, which is absolutely insane. But I didn't realize it was so regionally specific as well. Yeah. About how long, whether you can get it back and how long after you get out, you get the right to vote back. And is there's also a minimum time requirement. You have to live somewhere to vote in that region, right? Maybe you you have to register. You have to live somewhere to register there Mm -hmm. and you need to register in many places that don't have same day registration. You need to have lived. You need to live there like, I don't know, 60 days before the election. Okay. But again, like that is not a requirement in some states yeah but it is in others right the same thing with like early voting right some Mm -hmm. states have really generous early voting procedures after in 2013 there was a supreme court case that kind of overturned some of the key bits of the 1965 voting rights act and it was basically federal oversight of state election laws to ensure that there wasn't systematic discrimination. I remember reading something about that. It was Shelby versus Alabama. Mm-hmm. And with that provision found unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, states no longer had to get approval from the federal government to change their rules. Yeah. And so a lot of Southern states mm-hmm. changed their rules to disenfranchise people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in North Carolina was the most egregious. Really? Violator <laughs> of mm-hmm. this. I mean, like, yeah, they have done some crazy stuff. But one of the things that some states did was get rid of early voting the Sunday before the election. Now, you might think, why that? Why would you do that? Because in a, a lot of black churches they would organize transportation and after church on Sunday before the election, they would all get into vans and buses and Mm -hmm. whatever. And they would drive as a congregation to the polling station and vote. 
this was like a thing in yeah. black churches. So if you say you can't vote the Sunday before an election, you're basically saying this whole thing that yeah th- that these churches have done to help their people get to the polls, mm-hmm. we're not going to let that happen anymore. That's so shady. And since African Americans vote overwhelmingly for Democrats, this a might suppress African American turnout, right? Mm-hmm. If that was their ride to the polls, the yeah, sun, you know, and it was to the dis- disadvantage of Democratic candidates. Yeah, I, I remember reading that like yeah. a, as a as an insert in like a business something, and I followed up on it, and I was like, "You just did that. You just gutted provisions that kind that came." really closely after the civil rights movement to protect major part of the civil rights movement. Yeah, like to protect this like group that has been systematically harmed by large political groups. And it's like, how can you, did we go back 60 years? Did I miss something? Yeah, we did. It's the only thing that prevented these rules from not going into place earlier was this part of the Voting Rights Act that said it was called Mm preclearance where you had to get these specific places. And it was it was some it was whole states, some it was particular counties. It wasn't just in the South, but primarily in the South. And so they once they and they didn't say they didn't say that the idea of preclearance was unconstitutional they said that the formula written in 1965 even though it had been reapproved like every 10 years after that by congress congress was like yep let's reauthorize this mm-hmm. that formula needed to be updated that the formula was out of date even though congress had recently approved it said yes we're going to reauthorize this and so the supreme court put it back in congress's hands so okay congress pre-clearance is okay you just need to come up with a different formula for determining who requires pre-clearance and who doesn't and if you can't and so when you do that and that becomes law that you pass as a congress then those protections will go into place again for the places where it's really needed Mm mm-hmm but of course, Congress didn't do a thing. Yeah. And politically, it's going to be very difficult to do anything. Yeah. And so. Just fizzled. No, no. That's wild. Yeah. Vo- voting is insane. But voting is a right and a privilege. Utilize it. Do it. March 17th, Democra- Democratic primary in Illinois. Probably the Republican primary, too, but A, for president, that probably doesn't matter. But there will be Republicans on the ballots for Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dick Durbin, this one of our senators, is, is mm-hmm. up for re-election. So even if there's not a big presidential to do on the Republican side, there will be still plenty of people on the Republican ballot. So all of that happens the same day? Yep. Gotcha. March 17th. Be there be there well that's gonna that's it we got to the end of our two hours i thank you very much gun hope for agreeing to come in and chat with me about elections it's really good to hear from someone who didn't grow up in this weird system to to get their questions and see what it looks like from the outside a little bit so thank you very Mm -hmm. much 
You have been listening to The Politics Classroom on UIC Radio, where music and culture ignite. I'm Professor Floros. If you have any thoughts or ideas that you want to share or any ideas about what topics I should cover on subsequent shows, you can reach me on Twitter at Dr. Floros. But that's all I've got for this week. Class dismissed.